Hello, my name is Ricky Turner, and welcome to Turner Takeover. I am currently a sophomore journalism student at Temple University. And, you know, I started this podcast because I am a huge sports fan. Um, I'm a huge Steelers and Wizards fan. And so I'm mostly going to be discussing NFL and NBA news. And at the end of each show, I'll probably discuss one or two random topics and I'm going to let the audience choose those, so I'll post them on my social media accounts. My Instagram is theallamerican84, all lowercase, and my Snapchat is rturner07. And I'll probably post what you guys want to talk about at the end of each show on there. And hopefully this turns out good. I'm excited to get this going. And let's begin. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to episode four of Turner Takeover. As always, the in the sort of even episodes, we're gonna be talking basketball. No different today. I'm excited to get into this after a long day of classes. You know, I'm excited to relax. I'm, t- I'm excited to talk sports here for the next hour, hour and a half, depending on how long we go here. As always, you know, we're gonna start the show off with some hoops and the biggest story in hoops right now it's in Brooklyn the Nets new juggernaut lineup here and let's look and see how they've done over their first three games or so offensively here's my take the the Nets they've looked absolutely spectacular just like everyone thought they would offensively they are a juggernaut they're playing great basketball um shooting efficiently everyone seems like they're getting their touches everyone seems happy um to me Harden and Durant they've played the majority of the games together because Kyrie is coming back from a little I guess personal business Harden and Durant to me they've looked like they have great chemistry they're both sharing it very well they both seem happy to be together Harden obviously getting off some weight that he he's he, he's gonna leave that weight in Houston. It's it's a new me for James Harden in Brooklyn. It's a new me. Um, the chemistry to me looks great. Harden in the three in the three games these guys have played together. Harden Harden averaging twenty nine points, thirteen assists, nine rebounds on forty six percent shooting. Durant thirty seven points, six assists. Eight rebounds on 53% shooting. And the offense, all together in those three games, have averaged 127 points a game. Again, spectacular. Spectacular. I'm not discounting their ability to score the basketball. They can do that all day long. They're second in the NBA overall in points with 120.3. I think the Wizards, just saying the Wizards are ahead in that category. Actually, they might not be after they lost to the Spurs, but at least I had something to hang my hat on. Um, but in those three games, they have also given up 128 points a game. Abysmal. Sort of what I figured what, what would happen. Um, overall, again, 20, 25th in points given up, 116. 28th in field goals made. Last in field goals allowed and last in offensive rebounding um just not not great look for them defensively 
giving up the most offensive rebounds a game, which I think is 11. It's a, I know it's, it's definitely double digits. Um, and in this string of games, although they their starters have been great, there is no depth in this lineup anymore. Absolutely none. Um, they're averaging 15 points a game over their that stretch as well. Um, currently, they sit at 17th in points per game, and I think that's going to continue to plummet because you, when you lose Tyrion Prince, when you lose Karis Levert, when you lose Jared Allen, and you're middle of the pack with those three guys, what are you going to be without those three? Definitely below average. Definitely one of the worst in the NBA in points per game. Um, this bench, there, there's no, they don't really have a bench piece outside of Joe Harris, maybe. Um, uh, Timothy Lawawu Cabarro. Not, not, again, they have nothing great on that bench. Nothing to rave home about, and that's going to be an issue going forward, unless they decide to try and go out and get people, which I would assume they would. Because they'd be foolish not to, even though they don't really have much to give outside of their star players, or um, you know, they're probably going to be active in maybe people buying out contracts, that that sort of stuff. Um, that's the only really moves they could make, you know, <sighs> buying out people, which again, could be an option. They could definitely maybe get some value out of buying out contracts, but certainly they don't have many moves they could do unless it involves one of their star players. Um, again, Cade, and this is the overtime against Cleveland game where they lost by 12. Uh, in that game, KD played 50 minutes. Kyrie played 48. Harden played 51. Again, this team definitely needs depth. You can't have these guys going night in and a night out basis, especially against a team like the Cavs. You can't have them going out and doing this on a night tonight basis these minutes are going to add up this is how injuries start this is how just fatigue starts and you and you don't want to see this early in the season because this is a meaningless game a, a team like the Cavs really the Cavs again they're playing above expected but offensively they're terrible offensively they're terrible they're, yeah to me this team they need depth what kind of depth am I talking about to me a defensive minded guard because Kyrie can't guard a parked car. He's not, he just wasn't born to play defense. He's, he's not a defensive type of player. To me, they needed a defensive-minded guard who could give them some sort of lift in the scoring categories also. And they need depth behind DeAndre Jordan. Because, you know, you have teams in the East with formidable bigs. And you have no one behind DeAndre Jordan. Kevin Durant's too skinny. Jeff Green's too small. I mean, it, it, it's not... They need something. They need to add to this roster some defense, some inside presence. Hopefully, maybe even get a versatile big man that can go out and maybe hit a three or two because, I mean, DeAndre Jordan's limited to what he can do offensively. He, he, he can basically only dunk. That is his offense. It's dunking. It's been his whole. It's been his offense his whole career. His, I mean, he's only averaging what six, seven points a game with the Nets right now, which is nothing to rave home about. But he is a contributor on the boards and defending the rim. But outside of him, they don't really have anyone to do that. There's really no one there to do that. 
Kyrie's first game back, he goes for 37. But to me, he shoots double of Harden shots. And he shoots three more than Kevin Durant. So he, he, he comes into the lineup. He's a ball-dominant point guard. And he basically, he goes for 37. Spectacular again. But uh, it, it just, it doesn't fit well. He goes right back into the lineup and immediately he leads the team in shots taken. That is not a good look. Especially, to me, he, he yeah, he should be shooting over James Harden. He shouldn't be doubling his shots. That is ridiculous. And he shouldn't be shooting more than Kevin Durant to me. I, I, I still think Kevin Durant is the more efficient scorer. It's very close, but Kevin Durant can just... Again, he scores in so many different ways where Kyrie's an ISO player. Kyrie stops the ball. And he's not a great passer either. He's, he's not averaging a huge number of assists on the season either. It's, it's, it's something that they're going to need to work out. But to me, um, yeah, Kyrie shouldn't be shooting... Maybe on certain nights, yes, but overall, I think KD should still be shooting the most out of any of them, any, any of their players. Um, Kevin Harden, again, and to me, Harden also makes his teammates better with the ball. I mean, you look at his assist average, he is ball dominant, but he he does kick, he does make the right plays, he's, he's still a great passer, and... Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I think Harden does need the ball in his hands more, but again, to what extent, because there's one ball and there's three great players. It's just, it's, uh, it's a tough situation. I mean, I guess it's good in a way because you'd rather have, you know, one, you'd rather have more guys to struggle to get the ball to. You definitely would, you know, Kyrie Irving. To me, he's, he's averaging six assists, where James Harden, in the five games he's been here, is averaging 12 assists. Basically averaging a triple-double since he's gotten there. In the five games he started, he's averaging 24, 8, and 12. Kyrie averaging 29, 29, 5, and 6 assists. Him and Kevin Durant averaged the same amount of assists. And Kevin Durant doesn't touch the ball nearly as much as Kyrie does. So it's just, it's, uh, I don't know. Kyrie, again, great scorer, great ISO player, but he can't do much off the ball. Um, it, it's, and then you have Kyrie again, who, who had 37, but he only had three assists. As I said, he's a ball stopper. He needs the ball doesn't really help his teammates out and what they're supposed to do and he also as i said before defensively stinks 42 to colin sexton colin sexton wore his shoes too that is disrespectful and it's on the same court that kyrie hit the game winner or is it or am i no i'm dumb that was in golden state <laughs> sorry um yeah he also wearing the same number same shoes and he drops 42 on you I need a tribute video for you, too. Like, oh, my God. That is disrespectful. Colin Sexton, don't get me wrong. He's a dog. He is He's a guy who's not afraid to go after his competition. Not afraid of anyone. I love watching some of his high school games. Just, ah. Uh, 
He's such an electrifying player. He's going to slap the court. He's going to trash talk, and he's going to give it to you. And he gave it to Kyrie. And he put up 20, 21 combined in the overtimes. Uh, the Nets, to me, this is the second worst team in basketball, mind you, scoring-wise, points per game. 147 to the second worst team in basketball offensively. And they're missing Kevin Love. Kevin Love. And they're missing their, their guy, other guy in the backcourt, Darius Garland, who combined to make the backcourt known as Sexland. Or Sexland, however you want to pronounce it. And you give up double-digit points to everyone. Everyone. Ex- to, to those who played. Everyone except one person that played. That is that is not great defensive basketball. It's 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 not. They're gonna need to figure that out, and it's it's gotta come soon. Because defensively, you can't do this. Because you're gonna hit slumps offensively. You're gonna hit you're gonna hit points in games where you can't score, and you need to fall back on that defense. Who do you fall back on? Kevin Durant's a great defender. Easily first team All NBA, first second team All NBA. Um, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, he's still got some glimpses left in him, but he's he's not what he once was. Um, Kyrie can't defend. James Harden can't defend. Jeff Green, eh, wouldn't say he's a remarkable defender either. Um, and people are gonna disagree with me on this, and I'm I'm probably gonna get some messages here. To me, this team would operate better without Kyrie, without a less offensive and more defensive-minded guard who, who is more willing to pass the ball, who is more willing to sacrifice, to take a lesser role. And I would honestly, and this is just me, I would consider trading for a guy like Drew Holiday as a first-team all-defender, a guy they just traded in Milwaukee. He's still got some good years left in him. He's relentless on the defensive end. He will lock you up defensively. One of the best defensive guards in the league. And he could still get his on the offensive end. I mean, his numbers definitely him definitely pale in compared to Kyrie's offensively. But again, you get 16 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 1 turnover a game. Shoots 50% from the field and 38% from three. And he's he's one of the best defenders in the game. Like, to me, you have enough offense. You have enough of that. You could go out right now, right now, and try and get Drew Holiday. That would work out so much better to me because you still have KD, you still have James Harden. They're still going to put up phenomenal offensive numbers. And Drew Holiday to the mix, he still can get his on the offensive end. We know he could. He, he 50% from the field, 38% from three. I mean, those are respectable numbers offensively. And the Bucks, again, this could work out for the Bucks. They already have a great defensive lineup. Already have a great defensive lineup. You have Giannis, you have Chris Middleton. You have Brooke Lopez, DiVincenzo. I mean, you have guys there if, you, if you're Milwaukee. And you now get, to me, Giannis, what's the one thing we said? He's not a closer. When it's time to get a bucket, he's, he's not able to. 
when it, those last two minutes of games, he's not able to get a bucket. Well, now if you're the Bucks, you get Kyrie Irving, one of the best closing guards in the game, who could get his shot up at any times. The best handles we've, one of the best, some of the best handles we've seen in this generation. Um, he's, he's just it, this could be something good for both teams. And then what happens? To me, if you're the Nets, what happens when you go against a good defensive team like the Bucs, who also have Drew Holiday? The Sixers, they have a big download. Joel Embiid, who's playing like an MVP right now. So you got them. You got the Heat coming down the stretch. You got Bam. He's a handful to deal with. Jimmy Butler. I mean, these are good defensive teams. The Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Tristan Thompson, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart. What are you going to do? I mean, you have the capability. You have the firepower to beat both of these teams. But defensively, they're good. They will, they will take you. These teams could take you six, maybe even seven games. And they will be some tight, hard-fought contests there. Can they overcome most of these teams? Yes, probably. But I'm just saying it's a possibility that these teams will give them much more of a challenge than what was first thought because, oh, they have Kyrie, KD, Harden, it's over. No, because what happens when these when they slump? And these are good defensive teams, very good defensive teams. I mean, it's, it's going to get interesting. I still think the Nets are the favorite to come out of the East, but they could be presented with some challenges along the way. I don't... I, st- I don't think it's a given yet. I'm not ready to say that. Just because there are defensive issues and there are depth issues. But they're, they've, they definitely have a good shot to win the East. And also, who's going to guard? Like, in the finals. Okay, they, they got out of the East. They get to the finals. Who's guarding AD and LeBron? There's KD's one guy. And if to me you put AD on DeAndre Jordan, it's over. AD will drive by him. AD has handles. AD could create his own shot. To me, Anthony Davis would fry DeAndre Jordan. And KD on AD, Anthony Davis will back him down with that mass, with that body size. He will back him down. It's it's tough because. With the Lakers, the Lakers are a great defensive team also, but they have the offensive firepower to sort of like, they might be a tick below you, but they can also match you because they have a lot of weapons too. They don't have the three best scorers, but you look, you have AD, you have LeBron, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma. I mean, they've got guys there too that could get some buckets. KCP, I mean... These, these, this isn't a team to sleep on offensively either, because they do have those guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even if you look inside the East, yeah, Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid, he could, he could back down anyone, and the way he's playing right now, whoo wee, oof, he's a bad man right now. This is MVP Joel Embiid. This is Joel Embiid. I think could dominate the NBA and be an MVP candidate every year. I mean, he's just playing absolutely out of his mind right now. Doc Rivers is doing something with this Sixers team. And that's where we're going next. We're going to the Sixers next because they're an emerging team in the East. They're leading the East right now, I believe. Yeah, at 10-6. and 
um, at least at the time of the video, they were leading the East or the time I was doing my research. But I take a little bit to come out with my research. So, yeah, that definitely could have changed. But they were leading the East. Yes, they're leading the East at 12 and 6 now. They're just playing downright scary. They're playing so such a great brand of basketball. Joel Embiid just he's he's back to being that motivated player, that that dominant force. You know, he we know he is. He's he's back to playing that brand of basketball. Now um, he's putting up what is it? It's 26. 26 11 a block a game or no he's putting up 28 12 a block and a steal a game he's shooting around what is he he's shooting around 52 percent from the field 32 shooting around 50 yeah 55 percent from the field 40 percent from three tobias harris again playing extremely well He's putting up he's putting up around he's putting around 19 three assists 50% 41% from 3. Then you have Seth Curry. He's showing what he's worth. He's averaging 17 60% from 3. Might have went down cuz uh he did not have a good game the night before. Still shooting 56% from 3. Still good. Now I'm Shake Milton. Again, he's looking promising with 17 and 4 assists. Or yeah. 15, yeah, 15, 15 and three assists, 50 percent, uh, where is he, he's, he's giving them a guy off the bench, another guy who could go get their own bucket, a guy who could go out there and be a scoring option off the bench, which is something they needed, they needed a guy who could create his own shot, because you know, at some points in the playoffs, you're going to need that, you know, teams will catch on if you're just driving and dishing, and they will realize, hey, they're just they're just looking for catch and shoot three point opportunities. At some point in the playoffs, you're gonna have to work for your buckets. And Shake Milton to me is a guy who could do that. And then you look at Ben Simmons, you know, the facilitator he is. He's averaging 13, 9, and 8. Um what I think that's a, another guy around. He's averaging two steals. Maxi, again, giving them another scoring option off the bench with around 10 a game. And Howard, Dwight Howard, again, a guy being valuable. He's, he's a guy off the bench, you know, not putting up the biggest numbers. He's averaging seven and eight. He's still a defensive anchor. He's still out there. He still could alter shots, although he's, he's averaging about a block a game right now on this team. Ninth in points per game. They're seventh in rebounding. Um, they just beat the Celtics and Bead again going off for another monster game against them. I think he just got nominated for player of the week. What he averaged like 37 and 11 because he just he went bonkers against the Celtics. The Celtics looked like they did not have an answer to guard him. And to me, they don't. Daniel Tice isn't big enough. Tristan Thompson's not big enough. And it, it, it's just... To me, also, Joel Embiid just being a flat-out stud. He, he's been playing great basketball, doing it at, a, again, a really high level. Um, 
And when you get him one-on-one in the post, it is just hard to guard him. He's just, he's a freight train down in the post. Yeah, he dropped 38, 38. I mean, the guy's a freak. Like when he's this determined, when he's conditioned, when he's motored well, when he's like ready to go, he's hard to stop. Now, granted, the the, um, the Celtics were missing Jason Tatum. They were missing him, obviously a key part of that offense, a key part of what they want to do. But yeah, Joel Embiid, 38, 11 rebounds, 14 of 15 from the line. What? Like, like Shaq, he was great. And I'm not comparing, Joel Embiid is not Shaq. Shaq was a different kind of dominant. He was dominant night in and night out. Shaq just flat out bullied his opponents. Joel has that capability, but I, I don't think he's, he's Shaq. There's one Shaq, and there always is going to be one Shaq. Again, 38-11, 14 of 15 from the line, 2 of 2 from 3. And then you look at a plus 13 when he's on the floor. Um, that is just remarkable. And and he's an MVP candidate. Whew, 38 and 11. Oof, he, he's just he's been tough to stop for anyone this year. Um and I expect that to continue because I see again no reason why it shouldn't, other than sometimes, you know, he doesn't always play with that right mindset. With that, I'm going to dominate you night in and night out. That's the only reason why I see he can't continue doing this. Because this isn't a one-hit wonder. We've seen these flashes of dominance before. Then, I mean, the Sixers did just lose to the Pistons by 15 again. But Joel Embiid not in. I mean, that's something you got to look for. Joel Embiid not in. Dwight Howard, he's... He didn't, he didn't have a great game. He had five points, four rebounds. Um, but, yeah. I mean, Tobias Harris game, 25. But, yeah, definitely not the same team without Joel Embiid in. Definitely, they do need him in the lineup. Um, but, yeah, uh, this is definitely a team they need to you need to watch out for in the East, especially if you're the Celtics, the Bucs, the Nets. Now, enough about offense with this team. I've been talking about their offense. Let's talk about their defense. Third in field goal percentage. Um, 11th in three-point percentage. Eighth in blocks. I mean, this team has what it takes to defend in the East. When, you know, you look at the Nets. Uh, although I don't think they have an answer for KD. I don't I don't think there's many teams with an answer for KD. KD's just quick. Got handles. He's, he's a tough guy, guy to watch. And if you're the if you're the Sixers, um, who do you put on him? Matisse Thybul, you know, you put him on him. Yeah, it's a matchup defensively that works well, but offensively, you're playing four against five. Matisse Thybul is not going to be a very viable offensive offensive options offensive option. You know, they're going to have to take a risk there in putting him in, and that allows someone else to now go help out Embiid. Or go help out defend Embiid. You know, so now you get, you're going to keep... They're going to say, you know what? If Thibault's going to beat us, let him beat us shooting the ball. If Thibault, if that's how they're going to beat us, let him do it. Because it's they can't do it for four out of seven games. But as for the other teams in the East, I think they could beat the Bucks. 
they almost they've again this is a very good team you look at the Bucks. the Bucks, great post great regular season team but the postseason they've had their issues you know now with drew holiday coming in does that change all that much it definitely helps but a team like the sixers sixers could beat them just because now they have shooting on the outside they have joel and beat on the inside you know this this will definitely help ben simmons out now now he can sort of do what he wants and i think this team again bucks great defensive team but you know Giannis, you know he has limited offensive capabilities in the playoffs. So you, you know you could sag off of him. And also, yeah, now the Sixers have more shooters. You look at it. You have Danny Green, playoff experience, NBA Finals winner. Although you know he's he had some bad performances in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but he's still Danny Green. He still he still has. He's still, there's still potential for him to go off night in and night out. Um, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris playing at a high level, you know, in part to Doc Rivers being back. I said this earlier. I like this higher. Doc Rivers, again, had his best years with Tobias Harris, and he's having a good start start to this season. And you look at Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey. Um, I mean, they, they've got guys there. That could help them win the East. They've got enough shooters. They got some scoring. And they've got defense. And, you know, they've shown they could beat the Celtics too. They could definitely beat the Celtics. You know, they don't have a guy who could guard Joel Embiid. A guy who could match up with him that well. Daniel Tice, again, he's a great effort guy, but he's too small. And the Heat. The Heat, again, offensively, they're not playing the best basketball right now. They're sort of, you know, they're getting into it, but the Heat's not right now in the playoff picture, but I'm pretty sure by the end of this season they will. The Heat offensively aren't the best team. Defensively, they are great, and they could match up well with Joel just because they have so many people that could they could turn new to guard him. You have Bam. Um, outside, actually, I don't know. Outside of maybe... Maybe Kelly Olenek, um, you know, I'm sure multiple people are going to get a look at Joel Embiid on that team, but they did lose Jay Crowder, um, so there there are some holes on that Heat roster, but, you know, I'm sure they're de- they'll definitely give the Sixers a run for their money, but the Sixers do have the capability of beating them. Um... Yeah, as I said before, don't think they could beat the Nets just because who's going to guard KD? KD, again, lethal. Um, yeah, I think it's going to come down to not no one being able to guard Durant. I think they could take them to six games, but yeah, that's about it. That's about it for me. And... We're going to stick in the Eastern Conference here. We're going to be talking about two teams that haven't really had much to cheer about, you know, over the past decade or so, except for the one team. But, you know, one player is usually associated with success in the league right now. And when he leaves teams, he's sort of the success goes away. But, you know, fans of these teams that have, you know, that are in the playoffs right now or like performing above expectations. You know, they should be parting like it's New Year's Eve. Of course, Corona edition. 
don't want to spread the coronavirus. So, you know, got to follow corona guidelines, make sure everyone's safe. But they should be partying again like it's New Year's Eve. This is... Yeah, um, the Knicks again. I'm gonna yeah. The two teams we're gonna be talking about the Knicks and the Cavs. Let's get into the Knicks first. The Knicks they have one of the biggest markets in the NBA currently, but they've been a laughing stock for the maybe past decade, maybe a little bit more or so, just because of their draft picks. You know, missing out on Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry. Definitely missing a couple more, but I think those are two of the more notable ones. Um, Andrea Bargnani, they drafted him. They drafted Chris Stops. Um, so, yeah, and a lot of questionable coaching hires. You know, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson had some memorable moments as in the Knicks head coach, falling asleep at um, um, draft workouts. I remember that one. Um, Chris Stops, Porzingis, trading him. Yeah, that, that worked out well off a torn ACL. And again, one of the most, one of the bright spots in New York basketball. You know, you think they'd keep him in the metro, metro area. No, that doesn't happen. They trade him to Dallas, where he's now formed a formidable duo in the West with another foreign player, Luka Doncic. And the lack of free agents that want to come here, it come to New York. Again, one of the biggest markets in the NBA, and no one wants to be there. That should tell you something, maybe, about James Dolan. Just maybe. James Dolan. New York fans love him. Gotta love James Dolan, right? He's done such a great job with the Knicks. Great owner. You know, he's done a lot of great things. New Yorkers should appreciate that man more. Done so much for the franchise. Um, But this year, to me, it's had bright spots. Um, it's definitely had some bright spots. Tom Thibodeau doing a great job, per usual, on the defensive end of the ball, of course. Except in Minnesota, where they wouldn't buy into his defensive brand of basketball. Even when they brought Jimmy Butler in. And Jimmy Butler calling his teammates soft and continuing to abuse them with a bunch of third stringers. That should tell you a lot about the Minnesota Timberwolves currently. Although they got Anthony Edwards, but things still don't appear to be looking up for them for some reason you have Carl Anthony Towns but they just can't seem to get it together there in Minnesota just again still a lackluster franchise but we're not talking about Minnesota we're talking about New York the one of the biggest markets in NBA basketball and it all starts in the defensive end with Tibbs you know he coached a great defensive teams you know in Chicago he's had his runs there oh yeah most notably Chicago you know, first in points allowed, they're fourth in rebounds, first in field goal percentage, first in three-point percentage, and they're tenth in blocks. The strength of this team, to me, are in its big men. They do two. They're two different big men in terms of one does one plays great on one end of the floor, one plays great on the other end of the floor. They sort of complement each other pretty well, I, I guess. But the strength of this, yeah, and it's bigs. Um, you look at Julius Randle. 23, 12, and 6. Um, and he's leading them offensively in most categories. Mitchell Robinson leading them in shooting percentage, 67%. He's also averaging 1.3 steals and 1.8 blocks. So again, he's again he's going to me he's going to be defensive player of the year candidate for years to come, sort of like a 
Rudy Gobert-type player in what he does, you know, doesn't shoot the ball particularly well, and mostly close-range guy, mostly dunks. But he's, again, a very great defensive player, and, you know, when he gets the ball, although mostly close to the rim and probably mostly dunks, he does give you maybe 10 a night offensively, if you're lucky. And to me, as this Knicks team, they're depending on who gets in the playoffs now. Because right now, there are two teams currently out of the playoffs that I think could get in, could interchange with other teams in the playoffs. I definitely think the Raptors will get back into this, and I think the Heat will get back into this, and they will definitely take up two more playoff spots. But if, say, one of them doesn't get in, say... I'm wrong about one of these teams. I think the Knicks could get a 7 or 8 seed. Um, I think they're that good. Defensively, I mean, I'm saying that good like a 7 or 8 seed is good. But it is good for them. It's a step in the right direction. But uh, this team is going to get there on defensive loan because currently their, their offense is awful. They're last in points per game, last in assists, 25th in field goal percentage. Last in field goals made, 28th in field goal attempts, last in three-pointers made and attempted, 25th in three-point percentage. Um, The limited offense they do have, um, you look at R.J. Barrett, uh, I think he's their second-leading scorer, averaging 18-7-4, shooting around 41% per game. His three-point percentage isn't good because R.J. Barrett isn't a three-point shooter. He's not. Um, that was one of his weaknesses coming into the NBA, being a shooter, being able to shoot efficiently. And he's not found that yet, but he's young. Let him progress. He's still averaging 18 a game. Not bad. And then their other offensive weapon, Alec Burks off the bench, who's been great addition for them. Alec Burks sort of finding his role now in his career as sort of a bench guy, a guy who's going to give you something off the bench. Definitely something they need. But there isn't much offense outside of, you know, Randall, Barrett, and Burks. Definitely not much there outside. I think they have Alfred Payton averaging around 13 a game. Eh. You know, he's he, again, he's a solid guard. Nothing spectacular. Nothing that's going to get you too far in the playoffs. Um, then this would be a monumental step for the Knicks. Even if they stay on the upper end of just missing the playoffs, it's still a step in the right direction. It shows that you're making progress. You're getting there. Then the last time this team made the playoffs was in 2013. Again, so anything's up right now for the Knicks. You know, just working your way up that lottery and slowly, slowly building a respectable roster. Slowly, maybe attracting some free agents, hopefully, because it's too, New York's too big of a market not to have a, a, a star player playing for them. You know, we heard KD, Kyrie, they both went they both went across to Brooklyn. Damn, that must have hurt for Knicks fans. But you'll get over it eventually. And you didn't, you know, you didn't get Zion. But this team, again, heading in the right direction. They have pieces. They just need to get more offensive. It, obviously, you know, you're not competing for a championship, but... Build that roster. You got some young guys. Test them out. Test them. Who's going to be there in your future? Who's not? Again, it's it's a it's a process of becoming a good team. You don't just become a good team automatically, unless you're of course in the big market and can attract those big name free agents, which New York is, but for some reason is an unpopular destination. Definitely not because of James Dolan. Definitely not. 
But now we're going to move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the other team in the East. About the Cleveland Cavaliers now. Get into there, and they've been irrelevant ever since LeBron left. But they have some promising young pieces. As I've said, they're currently, I think, what, eight and nine in the East right now. So I think that, yeah, they have the seventh seed. Uh, they're another team, again, built off a of defense. Um,. Fourth in the NBA in points allowed. Second in steals, 19th in blocks. Um, and then they add Jared Allen, Jared Allen to that, so that definitely is probably going to go up. They're fourth in the NBA in field goals made, seventh in field goals attempted, but they don't defend the three well. They're 30th in the NBA. And they also turn it over a decent bit, which is... You know, what you get from a typical young team, they do turn it over a lot. But, you know, the three-point shooting is a little bit concerning because you definitely, and definitely in this day and age, don't want to allow teams to get hot from three. Um, you look at Colin Sexton averaging 27-4, shooting 50% from the field, 43% from three. Um, his backcourt mate, Darius Garland, who, if you combine their last names combined, they combine to make Sexland which is their backcourt name. Interesting name. Um, it's funny. <laughs> I mean, definitely it's funny. Definitely an entertaining name. But Darius Garland averaging 16.6 assists, 44% from the field, 43% from three. And then you look at the guy in the front court, a guy they traded for. They got from the Pistons last season, and I think in a midseason trade. Andre Drummond, 19-15, two steals and a block. Always a force down low. Always a guy you have to look out for. You know, he's tried expanding his games in recent years. He sees the direction the game is going, but predominantly an inside guy. He's definitely the anchor of that defense and their presence down low in the paint. And then you look at Kevin Love, who hasn't played much this season, but you know what he brings to the table? That third wheel in the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron and Kyrie. Ah, I'm getting tired. I shouldn't be getting tired. Come on, Rick. Um, but yeah, Kevin Love definitely could stretch the floor. Definitely a valuable veteran presence on this in in this young Cleveland Cavaliers team. And stretching the floor, great mid-range game, pick and pop. He can do a lot of things. He's still a very valuable asset to this team and to probably any playoff team, even if Cleveland. If they were looking to move him, possibly, because Kevin Love getting up there. But right now, still with the Cavs, and he's we're going to treat it as such, and to, as such until something else happens. And then you also add with Cleveland, you also add Tarion Prince and Jared Allen, both averaging around 16 a game for them. Um, and to me, that gives them very solid depth and production at the forward and center spots. They're very deep at those positions. Um, and this team, to me, could definitely be a seven seed, depending on where things fall in the East. Just because I think they have a little bit more firepower than the Knicks in terms of depth, offensive production. I think they're better than the Knicks there. They're still not very good. 
again, they could be a 7-8 seed, but, but yeah, they're depth at the they're missing depth at the guard position, but you know where they lack in depth at the guard position, they make up at the forward spots, forward and centers. Because you look at you look at you have Andre Drummond, you have Jared Allen, you have JaVale McGee, a key piece in that Lakers in that Lakers championship run is sort of a defensive guy, a, an anchor, a guy who could still reject shots, not can't really stretch the floor, but he still could get put back dunks, rebound block shots and then you also have Kevin Love and Larry Nance two guys who could give you production at the forwards positions so this team very very loaded at the front court got a lot of depth there but yeah guard guard depth is going to be an issue and as I said before offensively limited 29th points per game 18th the field goals made 17th the field goals attempted um 18th in field goal percentage, 27th in three-pointers made, 29th in three-pointers attempted, 18th in three-point percentage, and 19th in assists. So, again, a little better than the Knicks, but still offensively very limited. But this team's young, exciting, a lot of energy, and they just beat they just beat the Nets off of two straight wins there. So, again, you give a young team like this confidence and realize, hey, we could hang with anybody, that could be dangerous. That could light this team's fire a little bit let them know hey we could compete with the we could compete with the nets we could compete you know with some of these other top tier teams will they beat them in a seven game series probably not more likely maybe they win a game maybe two if they're lucky but yeah they're not at that level yet but again they do have some young promising pieces on this team and they'll continue to grow but, you know, I, they could get in as a 7, 8 seed. I, 8 seed, yeah. I, that, looking back, I'd say an 8 seed is probably a little bit more likely for them. But, you know, there's other teams out there battling for that 8 spot. You look at the Magic. You look at the, the Knicks, who I just mentioned. You look at the Hawks. You look at the Bulls. Um, when you look at, you know, to me, the two teams that have definite stars, and to me, you could go to at any time are Zach Levine and Trey Young. Um, you know, the Magic have Nikola Vucevic, who I think very underappreciated center, very underrated. Nikola Vucevic has done a lot. He's had a, been an all-star caliber center on the Magic. Who's got, he's gotten little to no love, and it upsets me because he's a good player. He's a very good player, very underrated in terms of, you know, the center position. Not a great defensive player, but offensively, he could shoot the three. He could post you up. He has a great offensive game, but, you know, just doesn't get the recognition just because Orlando hasn't had the success that these other, you know, these other guys with great big men have had. Hello. Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, he's obviously not going to get that type of recognition, but um, Vooch, you know, when playoff time comes around, you you see he, he puts up numbers. Even when they lose, he still puts up pretty good numbers in, like, the amount of playoff games they play. But he's never really been on a great Magic team. They've always been sort of an just miss the playoffs, eight seed type of team, and they just lose Markel Fultz. So I don't think they're going to get in this year. I think it's going to be someone else for the Magic. 
Um, but yeah, you look at the Bulls, you have Zach Levine, you have Trey Young. The Bulls, again, 28th in points allowed, 4th in points per game. So again, lean heavily on that offense. But you look at the Hawks. Hawks, to me, I didn't know this. They're 10th in points allowed and 12th in points per game. Like offensively, I expected them to be good. But defensively, you know, you had Trey Young, who was a liability. And they didn't really have... They had a little bit of defense. But... Not this much. Didn't expect this much. And to me, I think the Hawks had the capability of being a six seed and they could shock. They could give a scare to some of those teams in the upper half just because of the guys they have. Um, they are definitely, in terms of depth, talent-wise, balance, I think they're easily the best team. You look at who they have. Again, Trey Young, 25-9. and nine. Offensively great. DeAndre Hunter, 17-6, two assists, another Huge piece for this team. John Collins, a guy down low, 17, seven rebounds. He forms a formidable front court with his buddy, Clint Capella, 14 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, de great defender at the rim, averaging two blocks a game. And you look at another great defensive guard, Cam Reddish, at 12 points a game, five rebounds. You look at Kevin Huerter, he's at 12 points a game, four assists, or four rebounds, three assists. Danilo Gallinari, we know he's only played four games, but we know what he can do off the bench for teams, giving them a spark, giving them someone to go to down, like off the bench when you need scoring. Um, Bohan Bogdanovich, he's averaging around nine points, four rebounds. And then you look at their shooting percentages, they're a great three-point shooting team. Um, you have Trey Young. He's more of a volume three-point shooter. He's only shooting 34%. But you look at, you know, look at Dion. Uh, you know, we're going to – no. John Collins, he's shooting 40% from three. Danilo Gallinari, you know, although he's only played four games, he's shooting 46%. That's prop number's probably going to fall. Um, DeAndre Hunter, 39%. Bohan Bog Bogdan Bogdanovich, 36%. Kevin Huerter, 36%. Um, and you know, you still have depth there. You still have Rajon Rondo on this team too. So to me, this, this is a dangerous Hawks team that can play you both ends of the floor and has the talent. They have the shooting and they, they have guys to give these, you know, upper teams, they run for their money. Would I be surprised if this team took someone to seven? No, because I think they have a great roster and I think they have the roster to take a team like this to seven because again Trey Young again he's electric scoring the basketball great handles can get to the rim is a defensive liability but he can give you it offensively he could cancel out that offensive production with his defensive laps his lapses um in terms of how I think the east is going to turn out um I'm just going to do the bottom three teams right now because you know, I think the top the top five for me are basically locks to make the playoffs. The top, yeah, the top five to me are basically locks to make the playoffs. Um, you look at the Bucks, you look at the Sixers, you look at the Nets, you look at the Pacers, you look at the Celtics. To me, those guys are locks to make the playoffs. And then, how's the East gonna turn out? To me. Um, to me, I'm putting the Nets, although they're five right now, I think they're going to be one. I think the, hmm, it's going to be two. I think the Bucks will be two. 
Um, give me the Sixers at three. Give me the Celtics at four. Give me the Pacers at five. Six, I think, will be the Hawks. Seven, I'm going to go with the Raptors. And I think the eighth seed are going to be the Heat. Um, the Heat, again, haven't started off the season well. They're not too far behind, but they, they just haven't they haven't looked great to start this season off. I'm, I'm confident they're going to turn it around, and I think they will get into the playoffs. And where whoever they end up playing in the playoffs, again, they're going to be a tough out, just built on their tough defense, and they just have some very, very mentally tough. They're a very mentally tough team as well. So I think they're going to be a tough out for whoever they may up go up against in the first round. But yeah, and then we're going to move on to the West. We're going to be talking about the Clippers. Okay, and now we're going to we're going to move on to the Western Conference, you know. Now, there's two conferences in the NBA, for those of you that don't know. Now, there's definitely some people out there that are listening, hopefully, right now that, you know, maybe you didn't know there was two teams or two conferences in the NBA. Maybe you didn't know that. Well, now you know that there's two conferences in the NBA, and we're talking about the Western Conference now. The Clippers are currently on a seven-game win streak, and... And they're second in the West. The Lakers have the lead at 14 and 4. Currently 10 and 0 on the road. Imagine that. Wow. 10 and 0 on the road. Like, that's pretty that's good. I mean, having a zero, being undefeated at anything is pretty good, but to do that on the road, and they're four and four at home. Four of their all their losses have come at home. I mean. Obviously, you get your wins in the NBA, how you get your wins in the NBA, but man, they're playing great basketball right now, but we're focused on the other team in LA, the Los Angeles Clippers. As I said, a seven-game win streak. They are beating their opponents by an average of 17 a game and only allowing 104 points in those games. Again, great team. Easily, easily the Lakers' biggest challenger in the West. Easily, 100%. Uh, God dang it. My one thing won't upload here for, um, the, like my one, usually, usually my, like I do the, ep- I do the episodes in segments. So usually they upload pretty quickly and I'm able to put music in them. But, uh, this one, one topic's a, taking a little bit to upload. So just got to disconnect my phone from the Wi-Fi. you know, gotta do what you gotta do. Leonard and George, again, both shining as they combine for over 50 points a night, 11 rebounds and 11 assists, and three steals. For me, my biggest question about this Clippers team, as always, well, not as always, to me, there's, who's going to be their third guy? Because right now, they don't look like they have a viable third option. Because you, you go from, I think... Leonard at around what 25 something 25 a game a little over that George is at 24.7 and then it goes right down to Ibaka at 11.9 
like they have guys on that roster so like I'm, I'm not too worried but Lou Williams he's been shaky he's averaging around nine a game again I'm not worried these guys do have a lot of people on that roster who are probably gonna step up Marcus Morris Serge Ibaka Lou Will as we just talked about those wings baby he's got maybe he's got to go back to eating those wings Maybe he's got to go back to Atlanta, Georgia. I think that's where he was. And get some of those wings. Because, you know, I've heard those wings he got were pretty good. And I'm pretty sure they were worth it. Well, obviously, you know, maybe not fully worth it because, you know, you get suspended. I think that's what he got. And he couldn't play because of quarantine. But he wanted those wings, man. He wanted them. Maybe he's got to go get more. Maybe that's why he's not playing well. Maybe Lou Williams should go and get some wings. That's all I'm saying. Because a man, a man loves his wings. Maybe that's maybe that's his secret ingredient. Maybe that's why he's been playing so well for for so long off the bench. Because he's been eating those wings, not because of the work he put in, because of those wings. But enough of their role players. This team, the Clippers, again, they're sixth in points per game, sixth in points allowed, second in field goal percentage, fifth in three-pointers made, first in three-point percentage, and they're eighth in turnovers. And to me, it's still a battle between the Lakers and the Clippers in the West, but I'm sticking with the Lakers. Just too, too, too talented on both sides of the ball. You look at, you look at the other, you know... You have AD. You have LeBron. You have Dennis Schroeder. I mean, uh, Kyle Kuzma. You know, Marcus Gasol will give you some something at points. This team's good. This team's very, very, very good. KCP, Alex Caruso, the lightning rod off the bench. You know, his putback dunks. Talon Horton Tucker. I mean, whoo. To me, this Lakers team just got a lot of weapons to stop, and they're great at both ends of the ball. I still think the Lakers have the advantage in this. But, you know, I'm going to give you my Eastern or Western Conference standings. You know what? No. We're going to give you them after we go over our last topic here. Because there's one more team in the West that more people should be talking about. The only other team in the West with double-digit wins as of when I posted this. As of. So give me a break if another team gets them. How about those Jazz? The Utah Jazz sitting at 12-4. and four. They've won 5-7. Four out of their five starters are averaging double digits. Six players in total averaging double digits. And they're led by their rising star, who I love and who Utah loves, Donovan Mitchell. And this team, again, had controversy in the playoffs because of Rudy Gobert, what he put through the team. But these guys have obviously put it aside. And you know what there's, you know what they said? Screw it. We just got to win. That's the kind of mindset you have. Screw it. We're great together. We got to win. And they've been great in Utah together. And they've been the two stalwarts sort of in Utah. The sort, two pillars right now that are making this team go. And Donovan Mitchell shooting 44% from the field, 40% from three. And he's getting some great production from Jordan 
from Jordan Clarkson off the bench, 17 points, four rebounds, 49% from the field, 41% from three. And he's sort of found his role since, you know, he had a role with the Cavs. He went to the Cavs when LeBron was there, sort of a scorer, you know. But Lakers, he's a, again, the guy can score great off the bench. And then you have sharpshooter and fan favorite there. And a guy who I love, Joe Ingles. He's going to trash Takia the Aussie, averaging 10 points. Three rebounds, four assists, 51% from the field, 43% from three. Don't mind if I do, Mr. Ingles. Mr. Ingles, again, not in the best. He's not your typical basketball player. He's, he seems like, you know, the dad that goes to the Y. He, that's that's his body type. But, man, can Joe shoot the lights out. And Joe, Joe he's going to give you everything he's got. The, the fans love him in Utah. I love him in Utah. He's one of those guys, you know, you saw him get into it with Paul George back in his days with the Thunder. I mean, this guy is, he's going to talk some trash too. Joe Ingles, guys sort of got to watch out for him. And you got Mike Conley coming along as a second star there. And he's averaging 16 points, four rebounds, six assists, you know, in their first year, they were a little bit, you know, I think, I don't think Mike, Con I think Mike Conley had some health issues, wasn't really giving you like the production we're used to, but we're starting to see it. Mike Conley playing his role as a second star, putting up respectable numbers. And finally, this team, we've been waiting to get to this point. They're held down by the man in the middle, Mr. Coronavirus himself, Rudy Gobert. Um, averaging 12 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks a game. Always going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. He's just that good. There's just, there's no, there's no counting him out of the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Um, and then Utah, again, always a gritty, grinded out team. They definitely, th uh, this is a team, their home crowd, you know, there's been a lot of controversy there. But in, players hate going to play in Utah. Like, just going there and playing playing there like the crowd there very noisy very loud very passionate fans even when Carl Malone John Stockton they're a very loud team you know basketball what what really what else does Utah really have let's the Utah let's or whatever they don't have a football team uh, I mean so they don't really have anything else to root for besides what we've said the the jazz and you know i think they're going to be at a huge disadvantage because they rely so much on that crowd and that'd be crazy if that crowd was there but you know it is what it is we are in a different time we are in a different and unprecedented time here with corona without fans and we've sort of gotten used to it but Utah's defense yep their defensive team theme continues third and points allowed first and rebounds third and field goal percentage sixth and three-point percentage sixth in opponent rebounding seventh in opponent assist and fifth in blocks and offensively there's they're a respectable team they could be a threat to the top teams there's usually there's usually you know the, the you know the two teams the lakers clippers and then there's a third team that sort of sticks around and you know, they're there. And you gotta watch out for them. That was the Nuggets last year and this year. And th again, they're still in this. But 
Um, yeah. Offensively, yeah. Tenth in points per game, second in three-point percentage, eighth in offensive rebound. They have six guys shooting at least 37% from three. This team, again, has the capability of locking you up, but they could also score. They could also score the basketball when they're not shooting well offensively. They could keep the game close just off of defense alone. But again, the three-point shooting on this Utah team, a lot of guys, you have Mitchell, you have Ingles, you have Conley, you have Clarkson. Um, there's just a lot of guys you got. And Bohan Bogdanovich, he's another one. These guys could kick out for three. They could drive. Um, but it's, again, all built all built on, all predicated on. The scoring load relies on Donovan Mitchell's shoulders. He could handle it. To me, he could handle it. You know, you saw last year him and Jamal Harris, two Ah, Jamal Harris, Jamal Murray, him, Jamal Murray going at it game after game. And when eventually Murray and the Nuggets won in seven, that was a great series to watch. And two franchises that I personally have admiration for, the Denver Nuggets. Again, Jamal Murray has become one of my favorite players offensively to watch because it's just so smooth, so effortless. Ah, offensively, his game, and I love watching Jokic. I'll never get tired of watching Jokic. His, his, his fadeaway, those high-arcing shots. I mean, ugh. Then you got Utah, the gritty, the tough, the, the grinded out, these defensive games while also having the talent offensively. I mean, these are two teams I have admiration for. Um, this is a team, yeah, you're definitely going to have to watch out for if you're a top seed. Um and then I'm, I'll rank my team. I'll rank the West right now where I think things are going to play out. Um, this is definitely going to be interesting. Um, uh, who, am I, who do I want at one? You know what? Um, this is tough at one. I don't know who I'm going to go here. Lakers or Clippers? Hmm. Could be either or. Could be flip-flopped again. They're either going to be one or two. They're interchangeable to me. Uh, let's go Clippers at one. Lakers at two. Um, three. Three is going to be interesting because I think the Nuggets are going to get back into this at three. Jazz at four. Um, I think the Suns are going to be at five. Uh, I think the Nuggets are going to be there at, or Suns are going to be there at 5 6 6 I'm going to go Mavericks um, I just I don't see how the Blazers I think the Blazers are going to fall from that 4 seed I think I don't think they're going to make the playoffs Oh, actually, ah, I wouldn't count them out yet just because of McCollum. So we have right now, we have Clippers 1, Lakers 2, Nuggets 3, Jazz 4, Suns 5. Um, I'm going to go Mavericks at 6. Again, I think still they're still going to be a tough out for me. Uh, 7. Um, we've got at 7. Hmm. Six, seven, uh, this is tough. I'm gonna go Grizzlies at seven. 
I'm gonna go Grizzlies at seven, and I'm gonna have the Mavericks at eight. Or not the Mavericks. I'm gonna have the Warriors at eight. So I, yeah. So in terms of first round matchups, I'm predicting now that it's going to be Clippers and Warriors. Um, Oh, Clippers and Warriors, Lakers and Grizzlies, Jazz and Suns, or no, wait, Denver, no, 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 who did, oh, Denver, Denver and Dallas, and then Utah and Phoenix. That's, you know, my perspective on this. Yeah, so final prediction is going to lock them in. We're going to lock them in. We're going to go Clippers 1. We're going to go Lakers 2. We're going to go Denver 3. We're going to go Jazz 4. Suns 5. Dallas 6. Grizzlies 7. And Warriors 8. Um, that's how I think it's going to go. I think the Warriors could be swapped out with the Blazers, depending on McCollum, because I think they're going to... I think I don't think they're going to remain at four. Definitely not. But yeah, that's how I think things are going to go. But I guess we'll see. Um, in terms of sports, that is going to be all today, actually. Um, we're going to move on to the segment of the show where I talk about two random topics, what those topics will be. Well, you'll have to stay till the end to find out. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody, and as we reach the end of our little, our fourth episode, why am I calling it little? I do not know, but we're entering, this is it, this is the wrap-up of our fourth episode, Um, we're going to get into our two random topics, Um, first one, you know, this is to me, um, we're coming up now on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death, so I wanted to just re- take a moment to recognize that. Um, growing up, Kobe, my friends uh, make fun of me for doing this. Um, again, I I apologize for this myself. As a growing up a sports fan, I was a fan of the Lakers. I was a fan of the Steelers. I was a fan of the Yankees. What do those three teams have in common? They both have the most amount of championships in in um, in their respective like in their respective sports. So you know you had that. But growing up, Kobe Bryant again. Uh, what is he meant? Um, he was my first favorite basketball player just because. The way he attacked, the way he wanted it every single night. Um, and, you know, he did this not just in basketball, but um, in certain, in all aspects of life. Um, the Mamba mentality, and that's going to be sort of my point of discussion. But, uh, you know, Kobe meant a lot to me as a young basketball fan. Um, 
he's truly a guy you want to look up to didn't you know he didn't get anything he didn't work for he worked for everything he got and he wanted to be great in everything being the best in scoring rebounding playing defense and truly again top two shooting guard of all time to me a top 10 player of all time easily um man he, he was he was a special guy and to see his life you know one year ago he he passed away along with his daughter gianna oof um to see him you know go away you know just sort of awoken me in a sense that you know life can be taken away from you at any point in time you have to live your life to the fullest every every minute you have to live your life you have to care for what you have because that could be stripped away at any second and you know kobe a figure you know no one thought would pass away just because of his his aura his his just the way he went about himself the way like he was just one of those figures no nothing could kill kobe kobe's kobe's a black mom he's an assassin Sure enough, a year ago, he was stripped and what was looking to be a promising career in a second, a second, like second half of his life. I mean, out of basketball, starting to produce movies, write books. I mean, Kobe was just he was a great guy and he was great in everything he did, being a dad, a role model, a basketball player great in all those aspects a movie director an author i mean he was just starting that aspect and it was starting out so promising and it later came out that he was planning to break away from nike and start his only players only shoes brand imagine that imagine if we got to that stage imagine kobe one of the most highly respected basketball players um and people around the world um but you know it's the one year anniversary of his death and we're going to who we're going to keep going here and I'm going to one of the topics today to me just out of respect for him is mamba mentality this isn't sports related this is if if you think this is sports related it's it's not mamba mentality you apply it to every everyday things you do in your life your job you want to be great you got to work to be great and you know starting this podcast i mean I sort of, you know, when after he died, you know, he's it sort of fueled me like, do I really want to be a great broadcaster? Do I want this? And to be honest, you know, I, I wanted it. I wanted it. I had to show how bad I wanted it. I had to stop telling myself I want it bad. I have to go out and I have to prove I want it just as bad as I say I want it. And starting this podcast to me, um, just. I, I want it to be great. I want to be a great broadcaster. I believe I have the tools for it. And I know I have to put in the work now to prove pe- to people, to show people how great I can be. And I'm sure there's people out there who, who don't, who don't believe in me, who don't believe I could be a great broadcaster and fine. But I'm going to use those people as fuel. I'm going to use those people as motivation. And I'm going to get to the top one way or another. If I have to bite, if I have to scratch, if I have to claw, I will do that because I want to be at the highest level of broadcasting. And that this applies to any anything in life. If you want to be the best doctor you could be, go out, do that. Do, do the studying every night. Do, go the extra mile. Um, 
you know, ask your professors, what can I do better? Like Mamba mentality, it's, it's, it's not one, it's not just basketball. It's everything in life you could apply it to. It's basically how bad do you want it? Are you willing to work every day to get what you want? You know, everyone has different goals in life. Everyone has different views. Everyone has different, different wants, different needs in life. How bad do you want it? That's what Mamba mentality is. How bad do you want it? And to me, you know, Mamba mentality is 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 going out, and it's it's wanting, it's proving these doubters, these naysayers wrong. And I am fueled by these people. I'm fueled by people who say, you know, you can't be a successful broadcaster. You're not going to be at that highest level. You know, you're shooting way above your range. You know, yeah, tell me that. I'm I'm going to. I'm going to work harder. Your word doesn't define my future. I define my future. I define where I'm going to end up in life. And I want to end up at the highest level of what I do. I want to be the best at what I do. I want to be a great broadcaster. I want to be a great podcaster. I want to be just known in sports general because I love sports. Sports are my life. That is the most one of the most key aspects of my life you know sports i i love them they they fuel me they're usually involved in something every day you know i have notifications blowing up my phone every day just getting the latest updates getting the latest news um and just this this podcast you know a lot of research goes on behind the scenes with me doing these podcasts i have to look up stats i have to make sure i'm educated i have to you know, be prepared for backlash just in case some of my takes don't pay off. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to take the heat. I'm willing to apply it uh, into what I do. And I'm, I'm willing to use that to make myself better, be a better broadcaster. And then I, I brought up earlier the doubters, the naysayers. You know, Kobe had a bunch of them. Kobe's, again, operation was to prove them wrong. He wanted to... Again, kill the people across from him. He had that Michael, that MJ mentality of killing people across from him. In that aspect, they were similar. You know, killing their opponents. Just beating them to a pulp. You know, they use any any little thing they heard as fuel. And that is the same. You're, go- you're going to have doubters in your life. You're going to have people saying you can't do something. They don't define you. Here's what you do. You tune them out and you use their words as fuel. Use, put... Put that negative energy that they transpire, that they give off into something, something positive, something good, something that benefits you. Whether that's, you know, saying you can't, oh, you're not going to be a good, um, a good, a good businessman. You don't have what it takes. You don't do the research. You don't do the work. Okay. You know what? Take their words, put it in your studies, put it in doing the research. Put it in doing whatever you want to do. Oh, you know, he's not going to be in the NFL. He's not fast enough. He's not big enough. You know what? Use that. Go to the gym. Work hard. And yeah, maybe you don't have the size, but use the things you know you have to make yourself excel with the stuff you do have. Maybe you're maybe you're small, but that means you got a little shift to you. That means you're shifty. Make yourself a little shiftier. Obviously, you're still going to have to get bigger, but I mean... Use what these doubters, what these naysayers say, turn that into positive energy and keep pushing along because you define your future. 
They don't define you. They don't define your future. You decide how great you want to be. And if you let that bad stuff get to you, if you let that negative energy get to you, you're done. You are absolutely done. You're cooked. You need to use that energy as fuel every single time. And that's what Kobe Bryant did. That's what Mamba mentality is. Using, working hard at what you do and trying to be the best at it. Um, and I try to do that every single day. And when Kobe, you know, you know, sadly Paris, sadly got in that accident. I'm not going to go out and say he changed my perspective on everything. But again, he showed me that anyone's life could be taken away at any time. So you have to live every single day in the moment. You can't say, oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna work harder tomorrow. I'm gonna do this. Cause you may, little do you know, you may not sadly have tomorrow. It's sad, but again, it's true. So you have to live every day like it's your last. You never know when your time is going to come. You never know. And sadly, it, again, here's a quote, Mamba mentality. What is Mamba mentality? Um, Kobe said, Mamba mentality, it's, it's all about focusing on the process and trusting in the hard work when it matters most. So, you know, you focus on making yourself great. You focus on doing that work and then trusting in that hard work, that work you put in each and every day, each and every night, doing what you love. And you trust in that hard work when it matters most, when it's time to apply for a job, when it's time to get that job you really want. You know, all that hard work, all that is going to come into fruition and it's going to blossom right in front of you. And th that's going to result in, in you getting that dream job. And if it doesn't, you know what? Use that as fuel. Okay, they don't think I'm good enough. So you keep working hard. You keep applying. I mean, everyone wants to be great in dis different aspects in your life, in their life. Everyone does. But you, you could be, you have the, you have the, the potential to be great if you just put the work in, if you continue working. You know, I, I keep getting away from this, but you know, this semester, again, I try, I try focusing on, you know, this podcast. It, it, it's for me, it's basically like another homework assignment. It's basically like another test for me. It's something I need to get done. I have deadlines and I haven't been, you know, great with, you know, getting some of these episodes out. I have missed deadlines. I'm, I'm going to try my best to work on that. I'm going to try my best, but, and then in terms of school, like I, I'm trying to focus on school a little bit better, do more reading, do more studying, improve in school. Because again, although I did do well last semester, um, I still think I could have done better. Um, I use, uh, I always think I could improve in certain aspects of my life and being, whether that's being a better person or a better student, a better broadcaster, a better reporter, I know I have to improve in certain areas and I'm going to do what it takes to improve in those areas. And you know, I am also, I'm very, I'm secretly very 
a very, you know, a pe petty person at times. People don't know this, but again, when I hear, you know, someone say, oh, I got an internship for here. Oh, I got like an internship for there. You know, I, I sort of do get, I'm like, okay. So it sort of like fuels me to do better. I don't say it out loud, but I just, I just, I don't, I don't get like mad over it. It sort of just, you know, fuels me. It's like, okay, you can do this. Well, I gotta do this now. It's sort of like, I wanna top you, but I'm happy for you. But you know, I wanna top you too. I wanna be, I wanna be great. I wanna be great. That's what it comes down to, you know? And hopefully all my hard work, all this broadcasting right now, and you know, I'll even talk about my views on like certain other videos. You know, first episode I got 75 views. The last two combined, what I get? 42 combined. So, you know, I haven't been doing great in the views department. Is that going to deter me for, to stop doing these? Hell no. Because I'm going to put, I'm going to continue to put my heart into this. I'm going to continue to try and make these the best content possible because I know I have people out there that want to listen and I enjoy doing these. So I don't care if I get what, what 15 views, 20 views a video. I don't care. I'm going to continue doing it because I believe in my craft and I believe I'm going to get somewhere by doing this. Someone is, this is going to come in necessary down the road. I know it is. And I, I'm going to continue doing it and continue trying to be great. And again, that's, that's going to be all for um, Mamba mentality in terms of, you know, how that has affected me and how it should affect you guys and how and how it's made me better and hopefully has made you some of some of you people better um in terms of the second topic uh i haven't really i haven't really decided oh i i know what i was gonna do okay um yes i actually do know um this is a topic that i particularly enjoy talking about um should marijuana be legalized in every state how it would affect the economy, etc. This is a topic I love writing about. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I've written a few op-eds on this. I haven't gotten them published anywhere, obviously. But again, I've written some papers, op-eds on this issue. And again, I'm sort of attached to this issue. Sort of not. In a way, I am, I guess. But, um, you know, people ask me, should it be legalized? And I'm, I really do think it should be legalized. Um, again, it's used to treat many prominent diseases. It treats Alzheimer's. It treats cancer. It treats certain seizures, schizophrenia. And, you know, cannabinoids, which are found in marijuana, they help by reducing anxiety. They kill cancer cells. They control vomiting caused by chemotherapy and relaxing people with tight, tight muscles with MS. And the FDA in 2018 did a study. It approved a drugs Epidolex that is made from actual CBD, and it helps people. It helps treat people with seizures, or hard to treat seizures. Um, and the results they speak for themselves. 
Um, children and teenagers that were given the CB CBD only had 5.9 seizures per month, which was down from 12.4 before taking the oils or the CBD. And as a person who's prone to have seizures, although not, they're more caused by lack of sleep deprivation and, um, you know, flashing lights, sort of stuff like that. Um, I still can't believe that many states still consider this drug harmful because right now, as of right now, 32 states and the District of Columbia have approved marijuana for medical use. As of 2019, 11 states and the District of Columbia have fully legalized recreational marijuana. And to me, this is again, again, it should be legalized. It should be legalized. Um, obviously, you know, there's exceptions, drinking while high, or, you know, driving while high and all that, you know, yeah, that's a penalty. That is something that obviously should be, should be talked about. Oh, not, not talked about. It should be enforced. It should be illegal. You know, there's, you can't drive high. I mean, that's, you can't operate a motorized vehicle. You can't do anything like that high. But, you know, to me, again, it should be legal. Again, how is this going to affect the economy? People might ask. Well, I'll, I will be the, I will tell you, I've done my research on this. Um, California, one of the states that is fully legalized marijuana, I think it's one of the first also. They impose a 15% exercise tax from the cultivator to realtor and a 15% sales tax on the customer. In 2018 alone, their marijuana sales, they went through the roof. Their sales topped $1.2 billion and they also gained $270 million in taxes. This isn't even comparable to alcohol, which only brought in $45 million in taxes alone if you okay what if you say oh these numbers are a fluke what about california another state that legalized it 345 million in 2018 as well as washington pulling in over 376 million a can of new frontier which is a cannabis data website thinks that these numbers will continue to grow in 20 in 2025 they predict that legalized marijuana market will be worth over 25 billion so to me it is dumb not to think about legalizing this you want to make money well here's an opportunity here again all of this money could be brought back into economy fixing up infrastructure police reforms better education better paid teachers again if marijuana was wouldn't if it was made a legal substance, this would almost eliminate the $4 billion it takes to enforce marijuana laws each year. It takes $4 billion to enforce it. Look at the money it's making in these legalized, in these legal, in these legalized states. And that's just, I mean, to me, the numbers speak for themselves. It would create a lot of jobs. According to Forbes in 2018, we talk about America, jobs, 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 right? Well, here's a, here, here are jobs right in front of you. In 2018, there were 211,000 full-time cannabis workers. And if you add the number of indirect jobs, indirect jobs, that number balloons to 300,000. That year, the cannabis industry added 64,000 jobs, a 44% increase from the year before. In 2019, it was predicted that they could add over 20,000 jobs in Florida and California alone. 
professional and technical workers, such as accountants and lab workers, make up over half of this new exploding force. So it's not just, oh, people growing the weed. No, it's professional and technical workers. There's accountants, there's lab workers. You know, you get a science degree, this is something else to do with it. This has led to an average salary over 58,511, and this is 11% higher than the median salary in the US. In a three-year span from 2017 to 2020, the cannabis job creation rate, the jobs created was 100% to 110% increase. That's what it saw. This will provide so many more unemployed people a chance to get a job and get a livable wage so that they could provide for their families. And then people against marijuana, they often point to the fact that legalizing it will lead to increased drug use among all people, especially teens. I do my research, folks. The numbers speak for themselves. It's not the case. Researchers at Washington University School of Medicine, a pretty prominent university on the West Coast, um, eight, marijuana use among eighth graders fell from 9.8% in 2012 to 7.3% in 2014, 2016. Colorado teens between 12 and 17 were also reported to have a 12% drop in marijuana use after it was legalized just two years prior. Just two years. I mean, the numbers are here. I'm bashing your arguments here, you non-weed legalizing people. Obviously, there's exceptions to legalizations. Like, I mean, you can't be driving around high. Yeah, that's a no. And there's definitely certain other activities that are a no. If legalizing marijuana, again, again, they also wouldn't be afraid to admit. More people won't be afraid to admit that they're doing it. Some people that are doing it, it's not considered socially acceptable. It's gaining traction in certain states. New Jersey, PA, I mean, it won't increase the number of teens who want to regularly want to regularly want to smoke. If anything, it will decrease that number because kids won't be tempted to be cool to try something that they know is illegal. You know, people, you know, try weed, um, smoking, you know, it's illegal. The the ops out to get me. No, they won't. Smoking weed will just become an everyday sort of thing. You know, again, obviously, we don't want to see, you know, drunk or high driving or driving under the influence. Um, we don't want to see that. So I'm sure there'll still be laws enforced there. But in my opinion, this should be legalized. To me, there's a lot more benefits that outweigh, extremely outweigh the non-benefits for this. I, I don't know how people don't see it. I've given you facts right here and I'm, I'm not afraid to go find more facts I will do so it, it there's it could boom our economy it, it could help the medical profession oh my god like just do it just do it already it helps so many people out come on man come on get treat more diseases, limit seizures and people with, you know, serious seizure conditions, create jobs. We want to bring money and fix our communities, police reform, all that fun stuff. I mean, come on. 
it, this is a huge opportunity that we're just not capitalizing on. I don't know why. I don't know why it's taking so long. But again, you can't overdose on weed either. You can't overdose. I, I think I heard you need to consume maybe 10 pounds in, I forget how long I saw some statistic, or 10 pounds in some absurd amount of time, which is to me humanely unimpossible. Now this, if mar marijuana, obviously they aren't, if there have been or cases of related involving marijuana, it's most likely marijuana reacting with another type of drug that they obviously shouldn't have mixed. And you know, marijuana to me directly doesn't, it doesn't cause overdose deaths. And there's a lot more, a lot more opportunity for money, growth in the economy, growth in the medical industry. I mean, this to me is a lot more benefits than it does consequences. But again, that's my take. Um, again, I, I have a lot of friends that do it. Um, heck, I do it, but again, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not gonna shy away and say that I don't do it. I mean, I've, I've, I've tried it. I'm on seizure medication right now. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me. Um, the, I, I guess the one drawback it does have, and I've noticed this, um, my memory isn't as great as it used to be, but to me, that's one of the few drawbacks that it has. But again, I have friends that do it. I do it. I mean, to me, there's again, the benefits outweigh the risks and it, it it's, it's not even a debate for me at this point. It, it's, you know. I'll admit, back when I was younger, you know, I said people, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get into that, you know, but like now that I do it, I mean, I could see why. I mean, it's it's, it's not addictive. There's no, you, you can't get addicted. You can't get addicted to marijuana. You can't get addicted to cannabis. You know, it, it makes you feel good. That's about like it. To me, there's no, it, I don't know. It, it, it's not, it, it's not it, it, this bad drug. It's not cocaine. It's not heroin. It's not that. It, it, it's not addictive. Like I could do without it. I could, you know, do with it. I, I, I don't need it every single day. I don't need it to survive. You know, I, like right now, I, I haven't. I haven't had any all day and I am doing just fine. I'm literally sitting here doing my podcast, did my homework and have, like, again, I don't need it. It's not addictive. It'll help our economy. It'll help the medical industry, you know, and it relaxes people. It could help people with PTSD. I mean, to me, the benefits far outweigh the risks. It's not even close, not even close, but you know, that's gonna be it today for Turner Takeover, sort of pushing the limit here. Got like 47 seconds left before this portion of this segment of my episode runs out, so I gotta wrap it up a little bit. Um, again, great episode, week four. Um, or week four, episode four. Um, 
no, have a great night. Have a great day, whatever you're doing and have fun with whatever you're doing. Stay positive, positive vibes only in here. And Ricky, my name is Ricky and peace out.